Jubilee have we got a treat for you. Bob Sorge, renowned author, worldwide speaker and evangelist, is here with us this weekend. He has ministered to thousands worldwide, including myself. He's impacted lives and his testimony is incredible. So please join with me. Give Bob Sorge a huge Jubilee welcome. your team for the privilege of being with you this weekend and I just want to say welcome to all the campuses that are joining us uh, for this service it's great to be here together in the presence of God uh, I have uh, now I've got a small voice they are working the sound system just that I can be heard I've been seeking the Lord for 24 years for his healing that he's promised. And I'm still asking him and seeking him every day and speak from the overflow of that journey. I've also written over 20 books and they're available at all the, all the campuses. So I'm hoping that you'll wanna take advantage of that. And let me just mention that if tonight's message connects for you, you wanna get this one between the lines. God is writing your story. My son has put some films together for me. They're on YouTube. You can share them. And I just want to show one right now. This is my blockbuster film. <laughs> a sister wrote me a note at one time and, and her, her question was, can you find a God of mercy in the book of Job. And I, I wrote her back and I said, yes, I think I can. God could have left Job alone. Years ago, I suffered an injury to my voice. At the time, I was a pastor and a worship leader and uh, since that time my strength is very small and it's painful for me to speak so I, I have about an hour a day that I can manage and then the pain shuts me down so you can all do the math. When this happened to me, it threw me into crisis in pretty much every department of my life. Threw me into professional crisis. What does a pastor do that can't talk? What does a worship leader do that can't sing? I found myself in a theological crisis. God, how can I be Loving you, serving you, giving you my life, giving you my best, walking in obedience, walking in faith and love, pouring my life out for the gospel, and take a hit like this. I didn't have a theology for that. 
I found myself in the darkest place of my life. Nobody had any answers. And all I had was this. For five years or so, my prayer life was basically three words. I love you. I don't understand you, but I love you. Over and over, just giving him my love in the darkest place of my life. I've discovered it's the most powerful thing you can do. God could have left Job alone. He could have said, half your bickering wife, half your and wayward children, have your safe little world, have your little bubble. But the Lord said, Job, I love you too much to leave you to yourself. I love you too much to leave you to the smallness of what you know. But if God had not interrupted Job's life, and if Job had not walked through a living hell, we would never have heard of the man. But because it all shook down, and he stood and said, I love you. I worship you. In his darkest hour, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 11, verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked his soul hates. So if you're righteous, he tests you. And if you're wicked, he leaves you alone. The last thing you want is for God to leave you alone. Lord, do not leave me alone. I have got to know you. I have got to see you. I have got to have you. And I want everything you've got for me. Lord, do not leave me to myself. Interrupt my life if you have to. Test me if you have to. But come to me. Visit me. Reveal yourself to me. Job play out before us 
five guys that have no perspective on what's happening. And we sit here and watch it with all of God's perspective given to us. And we're looking at the guys playing it out and going, I can't believe you just said that. What are you thinking? And we just want to talk to them because we have all this perspective that God's given us and they have none. And that's kind of what happens with us when we find ourselves in a trial. We find ourselves, we don't have God's perspective on our circumstances because if you had his perspective on everything, it probably wouldn't be a trial. The day comes when God gives Job his perspective. And in that day, Job goes, Oh, well, that changes everything. I want to talk this evening about the power of perspective. Because when we see what God sees, it changes everything. I'd like to look at four people in the Bible whose lives give us insight into God's perspective on our circumstances. The first person I'd like to talk about is Jacob. God takes Jacob and his little family of 70 from Canaan and puts them in Egypt for some 200 years. Have you ever wondered about that? Like, God, what were you thinking? Why did you do that to them? They were not exactly 200 happy years. Well, I'd like to answer that question. Back in those times, the number one killer of human population was war. And it's as though God says to Jacob, Jacob, if I leave you and your family up here in Canaan, over the decades, you will be constantly hit with warfare. And your population base will be continually eroded, and you will never get that critical mass necessary to take the whole land. So Jacob, let me do you a favor. Let me put you in captivity. And now God puts Jacob and his family of 70 in captivity in Egypt and places them behind the front lines of the number one military on the planet, the armies of Egypt. And for over 200 years, Egypt took all the hits. For over 200 years, Jacob's little family did not suffer a single casualty to war. They just kept growing. They grew so large that by the time they came out of Egypt, they were large enough to enter their promised land, take their promised land, inhabit their promised land, and hold on to their promised land. God puts you into captivity to enlarge 
shuts you down, puts you under restriction. God, what are you thinking? And the Lord just is going, get large. Use the time. This is a time when you're in shutdown. It's a time to grow in grace, grow in faith, grow in humility, grow in the knowledge of Christ, grow in the Word, grow in fasting and prayer. Use the time to get large. If you're sitting next to somebody, just say to them right now, never waste a good prison sentence. If God shuts you down, use the time to grow in the grace of God. So here's the perspective I get from Jacob's life. God puts you into captivity to grow you. That's what this is about. A second person that gives me some fabulous perspective is Joseph. Any Joseph lovers here? Yeah, it's like God comes to Joseph when he's 17 and goes, Joseph, way to go. Keeping yourself apart from your generation, practicing my presence. Joseph, you get a promotion. To slavery you go. And he finds himself a slave in Potiphar's house. And it's as though God comes to Joseph a second time. Joseph, you're practicing my presence. You're not bitter over your brother's rejection. You're cultivating your gifts. You even said no to Potiphar's wife. You get another promotion. To prison you go. And now Joseph is desperately wanting God's perspective on his prison. God. Why am I here? What is this about? A verse that helps me is Hebrews 12, 11. It says that no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That verse talks about training. When God puts you in prison, Joseph, he's training you. There's a difference between teaching and training. When the army wants to teach you something, they put you in a classroom. When they want to train you in something, they take you on the field. Not the same operation. God doesn't have you in this prison, Joseph, because he's just trying to teach you a lesson. He's trying to train something in your character so that by the time you come out of this prison, you will not be speaking simply from your library, but you will be speaking from the authority of your life. And here's the perspective I think God has for Joseph. Joseph, in this prison, just go deep. It's your depth in God that is going to spring you from this prison. Another passage that helps me with Joseph's prison is Psalm 105. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Now, that verse 
verse says that God sent Joseph into, in, into slavery. When you read Genesis, it says that his brothers did it to him. Joseph, as long as you have your eyes on what your brothers do to you, you will remain a prisoner of their rejection. But if you will get your eyes on what God is doing in your circumstances, it will liberate your soul to become a participant in God's agenda. Verse 18, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Look at verse 22. To bind his princes at his pleasure. Verse 22 says that when Joseph came out of prison, he came out with the authority to bind princes in the very prison that once held him. I have a theory. I can't prove this with a verse, but I have a theory. I think when Joseph got out of prison and now had the keys to that prison, I think he went back to that prison. You're coming out. You're coming out. My main man, you're coming out. You're my new prime minister. You're coming out. You're staying in. <laughs> and when Joseph came out of prison, he came out with authority over the very prison that held him. I believe that God wants you to get this kind of perspective. If you find yourself in a prison, could it be that by your depth in God, you will one day have authority over the very prison that now binds you? Do you find yourself in a prison, in a family situation, in a marriage? By the time God brings you through this, you will have authority to bring release and freedom to other marriages. Do you, uh, did you find yourself in a financial prison? By the time you come through this thing, there's going to be an authority on your life to bring release to others in financial prisons. Did you find yourself in a prison of physical affliction? By the time God brings you through this thing, you, there will be a grace and authority on your life to release others in prisons of physical affliction. So here's the perspective. I get from Joseph's prison. God's release from prison brings with it authority over the very chains that once bound you. A third person that gives me some great perspective on life circumstances is Caleb. When the people of Israel came out of Egypt in 
they came to the promised land, Moses sent out twelve spies. Two of them came back with a good report. That was Caleb and Joshua. They said, we can do it. Ten of them had an evil report. They said, not a chance. And because the nation followed the evil report of the ten, God said, we're going to work this thing out. Let's take 40 years to work it out. So Caleb ends up spending 40 years in a wilderness as God is working with the nation. And I'm looking at this story going, that was a raw deal. Caleb had the faith to go in, but because they didn't, he had to do 40 years in the wilderness with them. Raw deal. The Lord said, actually, I have a different perspective on that. Why don't you look at the story again? By the time, so, so I looked at Caleb's story again. By the time Caleb comes through that 40-year wilderness, and then there's five years of taking the land of Canaan, it's 45 years later now, and Joshua is giving everybody their inheritance. You get a house in a field. House in a field. Hey, bro, house in a field. House in a field. God bless you. It's Caleb's turn. Caleb goes, I don't want a house in a field. I wanted a house in a field 45 years ago. If you think that I want today what I wanted back then, you see, the wilderness changes what you ask for. By the time you have done a 40-year wilderness, you now have other things in your heart that you're asking God for. There are some things in the kingdom of God for which you must do the time. There are some things in the kingdom that are just given to you. He just gives you salvation. He just gives you healing. He just gives you his grace. But there's some stuff you have to buy. There are some ranks and offices in the kingdom for which you must do the time. Caleb, if you will do 40 years in the wilderness, you will come through with the authority to take a whole mountain in the grace of God. I think that God actually had a mountain in his heart for Caleb all along. But I think God's going, you know, Caleb, I want to give you a mountain. You're my man. But if I give it to you on this side of the wilderness, the whole nation will be in an uproar. So work with me. Just do 40 years in the wilderness. When you finish these next 40 years, you will come out with the authority both with heaven and with people to take a whole mountain in the grace of God. Somebody looks at the wilderness that you're in and they're thinking to themselves, man, if you had more faith, you wouldn't still be in this wilderness. 
listen. Caleb got himself into a 40-year wilderness because of his faith. Okay, four keys to waiting on God from Caleb's life. This is good. You want to take notes. So if you got a notepad, you got something to write on, it's going to be worth it. Four keys to waiting on God from Caleb's life. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. They don't exist. You do the time. Caleb, if you will do the time and keep your heart right, stay in faith, give me your love, and just endure this wilderness, by the time you come through this thing, you will have bought the authority with the whole nation to take a mountain in the grace of God. You will be so enriched that you'll have something to give to another generation. So here's the perspective I get from Caleb's life. The duration, and I want you to hear that word, duration. The duration of your wilderness can give you the authority with God and the credibility with people to take a whole mountain in the grace of God. And the last one that I want to look at this morning, we've looked at Jacob, Joseph, and Caleb, and the last one now, the Master, Jesus. Something that a common denominator among all four of these that I'd like you to see, all of them got into their trial for what they did right. Now, when you get yourself in a, in, in a fix, your first question is usually, God, what did I do wrong what, to bring this on? And that's not a bad question to ask. Go ahead, ask the question, do the introspection. But sometimes you can get yourself in a situation because you've just got a big yes in your spirit. You've painted a bullseye on yourself and said, Jesus was crucified for what he did right. Peter said this about the cross, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So when we look at the cross as we're about to, all of us understand this is the pathway that I also am invited to walk. Now, I love to look at the cross real close. I'm one of those guys, anybody here love Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ? Any passion lovers? I, I'm, I watch it every Good Friday. I'm just, I'm one of those guys that I like to get real close and, 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 and gaze on, on the gore and the blood and the wounds and the torment, the horror. I like to get 
real close to the passion of my Savior. But the verse that I want to look at uh, with, with us right now is actually looking at the cross from a bird's eye perspective. It's God from eternity looking at the cross. It's the first mention of the cross actually in the Bible. God is speaking to Satan about the cross in the Garden of Eden. And here's what God says to Satan. He, that is Christ, shall bruise your head, Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. That's God's eternal perspective on the cross. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, nails in his hands and feet, thorns on his brow, lacerations on his back, I promise you, it did not feel like a bruising of his heel. It felt like every molecule in his being was being crushed. Because it was. Same is true for you. When you're in the vortex of your trial, you feel like you're being pulled apart atom by atom. And you probably are. But there is an eternal perspective to gain on your trial. I believe that if we could visit with Jesus right now and talk about his cross, I think he might say something like this. That was intense. I took it in the heel. But my adversary has been bloodied in the head. And I believe that God wants to bring you to the same place. I believe there is a day coming when you will look back on the crushing that you are experiencing today. And you're going to look back on it and say to yourself something like this. That was intense. I really took that one in the heel. But my adversary has been bloodied in the head. Yes, I am suggesting that God's design for your war is that by the time it's over, you may take it in the heel, but your adversary will be bloodied in the head. At the cross of Jesus Christ, Satan and Jesus went at it. And they were both aiming for the head. Satan hit the heel. Jesus made his mark.
So if you want to learn something about spiritual warfare, don't go to the adversary. He's not that good. Go to the master who will teach and train you how to do spiritual warfare by taking you to the cross. When I look at the cross of Jesus and I come to a movie like The Passion of the Christ and I see blood on his head, blood on his cheek, blood on his neck, blood on his shoulders, blood on his arms, blood on his hands, blood on his chest, blood on his back, blood on his legs, blood on his feet. It's a spectacle of blood. When I look at all that, listen to me carefully. Satan was more bloodied by the cross than Jesus Christ. Jesus took it in the heel. Satan took it in the head. Jesus was wounded by the cross. Satan was destroyed by the cross. So here's the perspective I get from the cross of Jesus Christ. By the time the battle's over, you will do much more damage to the adversary than he did to you. You'll take it in the heel, but he will take it in the head. So if I can summarize the perspective that I gain from the four men that we have looked at tonight from Jacob's life. Here's the perspective I get from Jacob. God uses captivity to grow you. Use the time. Get large in the knowledge of Christ. Is it possible that you could get so large in this place of enslavement that by the time you come out of your Egypt, you come out large enough to take your promises, inhabit your promises, and hold on to your promises? The perspective I get from Joseph's prison God's release from prison will give you authority over the very prison that held you. Kind of reminds me of Jesus Christ. When he ascended from the prison of Hades and death, he rose up with the keys of Hades and death. Never relent until you clasp in your hands the keys to the prison that now holds you. The perspective I get from Caleb. The duration of your trial, and the emphasis on is on that word duration. The duration of your trial will give you the authority with God and with people to take a whole mountain in the grace of God. I felt like the Lord asked me on one occasion, Bob, do you want to be healed or do you want to be changed? I said yes. 
I don't think you have to choose. I think you can go for the whole mountain. I think you can be so transformed in this wilderness. And by the time you come through, come through with the authority to take a whole mountain. In the grace of God, Lord, would you give us in Denver, Colorado, men and women who will walk a wilderness, a journey with you, and will endure so that they buy the authority to take a mountain in the kingdom of God that they might have something to give to another generation. And then the perspective I get from the cross of Christ, one day you will despise your sufferings because of the blow you dealt your adversary. Epic victories come at a price. Anybody here want to do damage to the kingdom of darkness? You may take something in the heel. If Jesus himself could not destroy Satan without incurring scars, what makes me think I can? If I have no scar, was I even in the battle? But the scars I bear actually become trophies of grace and become tokens of my intimacy and identification with Jesus Christ. So if you're connecting with Jacob tonight, I hear Jacob saying to us, get large. If you're connecting with Joseph's prison tonight, I hear that I hear Joseph saying to us, go deep. If you connect with Caleb's wilderness tonight, I hear Caleb saying to us, do the time. And if you're connecting with the cross of Christ tonight, I hear the Lord saying to us, endure this cross. You will take it in the hill, but by the time the story is finished, your adversary will be bloodied in the head. May Jesus himself teach you spiritual warfare that by the time you come through, you have learned how to lay a blow to the head of your adversary. We want God's perspective on our circumstances. I'm grateful for the perspective that we have from these four men. And I just, as I close in a prayer, asking for God's perspective in our lives, um, I know that you want that as well. And here's what I've asked the team, if we can do this, and they've, they've graciously said yes to me. There's going to be some folks here at the close of the service available to pray for you. They're going to get some anointing oil in their hands. And if you want this kind of prayer, you'll just need to find wherever they're going to be and receive. What they will do is they will actually put anointing oil on your eyes. And they're going to pray and ask God to anoint you to have eyes to see 
as he sees. So as you're dismissed this evening, if you desire to have the anointing of oil upon your eyes, you're welcome to come forward for that. Would you stand with me, please, as I close in a prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray for this fabulous family at Jubilee, and I'm asking, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, give us grace. Lord, there are some that you're just saying, get large in this season. There's some you're saying to us, go deep in the spirit. There's some you are calling us to do the time. There's some that you are inviting us to endure the cross. May we be lifted up on wings like eagles to see from heavenly perspective what you see that we might say with Job, oh, this changes everything. May this grace be yours, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.